0: All right, we're back in another Sound of Battle Cry, and today we are going to be talking about drums, talking about drums and beats and all kinds of stuff like that, and uh, this show is primarily directed towards Christians and uh, the use of drums and beats when in regards to wor- uh, worship music, music that's used to praise God, uh, but if you're not a Christian, you could definitely learn a few things here. Um, because I'm going to briefly touch upon some things in regards to um, how beats and drums affect the body and the mind and um, a little bit of a psychological warfare aspect of beats and drums. And uh, I'm going to do another show about this whole psychological warfare aspect to music. And I got a lot to say about that. I got some interesting quotes and research in regards to that. But nevertheless, today the question is, are drums suitable to worship God? Now, this was originally an article written by some guy named Amon de Albatrus. No idea who this guy is, but I took the article and I added a lot of stuff to it. Um, I, took, I took some a lot of stuff from the Bible, first of all, and I broke down each instrument in the Bible that the Bible talks about. and um, And then later on, I got some from some other articles, put it all together, and here's the teaching. Now, before we get into this, uh it's just very interesting because just talking about the whole music aspect in general I'm going to have a couple more shows about music uh that I had before I'm going to re-record them one about um is music neutral uh and the answer is no it's not neutral uh and I'm just talking about the actual music and the instruments not the lyrics and then also the other one was christian guidelines uh, uh bible guidelines for christian music and so Sorry, just adjusting things there. Uh, So anyways, got a few more shows on that. But anyways, you know, before we get into this, I've heard this a bunch of times, and it's a pretty ridiculous statement. People say that, um, well, you know, the Bible doesn't really have a lot to say about music, so it doesn't matter what you listen to. And that's just patently absurd. And uh, the Bible has a lot to say about praising God. It it, It mentions praising God, give praise unto the Lord even more than prayer. It's, it's mentioned quite a bit throughout the Bible. And there's talk of instruments and music. And of course, we have verses like sing unto yourselves and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And uh, there's plenty that the Bible has to say about music. So those who say such statements are usually trying to justify listening to some form of Christian rock, Christian rap, Christian metal uh, some form of CCM, Christian contemporary music, in case you didn't know what that term meant. And, um, and they act like the Bible has nothing to say about, it, but it's not true. You no, know, the Bible has something to say about everything, especially when it comes to worshiping God. Like God wouldn't give you any standards for, um, using music to worship him when he tells you to worship him. And then the, all the Psalms are given to, and to sing praises unto God. I mean, it's ridiculous. In, in the beginning of each, uh, Psalm, it says, to the chief musician, and it lists some type of instrument. And it's just, um, it's just amazing. So, and, and, you know, we have them examples of people singing in Moses's time, in the time of David, and even in the book of Revelation, people are singing in heaven. Music's all throughout the Bible. Okay. Now, having said all that, we're focusing on the drums today. Why drums? Why the beats? Well, because that's the heart and soul of when it comes to music that is not appropriate for worshiping God is the m- music that has drums and the beat. I'll just tell you that straight up now. Now, before you shut the teaching off and say, I'm an idiot, I'm crazy. don't know what I'm talking about. I'm a legalist. I'm a Pharisee, a bigot, and every other thing you can come up with. The Bible commands you to study your show, study to show yourself approved unto God. It also tells you to prove all things And, uh, to study the scriptures that the Bereans study the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. So I'm asking you to study this issue out with me. I have a lot of Bible in here and I also back it up with science and with experts in music, people who are, have been in the industry and are into the, in the industry now, famous secular musicians and what they had to say about music. And the, what they had to say about beats and drums specifically, okay? So this is a very, very important show when it comes to this subject, okay? So please listen all the way through, watch all the way through, and then you can make your conclusion, all right? And I believe I will offer you, offer you enough proof, if you're honest with yourself and with God, that we should not be using drums and beats in order to worship God. Now, before I get into this one last thing, that does not mean that rhythm is bad in and of itself. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you can't have any rhythm. It's the overemphasis of rhythm. Okay. So we're going to get into that into the show, but for now, let's get into it. By the way, we're going to talk about dubstep a little bit later. And uh, just in case you wanted to know. All right let's get into this. Psalm eight four says this, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth, make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Now we're going to get to the whole argument about make a loud noise at the end of this teaching. For those who think that we'll make a loud noise, that means rock out, man, and, and get a, a drum set and an electric guitar and a giant amp, get a, get you know, a few full stacks, some amps and just blast everyone's ears off, make the loudest noise possible with your um with your your musical equipment. No, that's not what it means. But nice try. The act of worshiping God is defined as this. The act of paying divine honors to the supreme being, religious reverence and homage, adoration, or acts of reverence with supreme respect and veneration to perform religious exercises in honor of to adore to venerate god just a side note uh very interesting side note about the catholic church they say that they don't worship mary and they don't worship saints when they kneel in front of their statues and pray to those saints and mary And they say, we're not worshiping Mary, we venerate Mary. Well, that's funny because in the definition of the word worship, it says to venerate God. Guess they missed that one. Nevertheless, let's continue. To worship is to formally praise, honor, and declare one's devotion to the Supreme God, the creator, governor, and sustainer of all that has been created. Typical acts of worship include... Singing hymns or psalms, preaching, praying, etc. See, and here's the thing: before we continue, uh, most people are only focused on music when they when they talk about worship today. At least, most modern day churches they say we're going to have a time of worship, and then after that we'll have a little bit of preaching and fellowshipping and blah blah blah. And it's like worship is only associated with music today, but Jesus said. They that worship God say God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, so there's both aspects in spirit and in truth. Well, you can worship God, not just with music. You can worship God with praying, with giving thanks unto him. You can with Preaching, listening to preaching, when, when you're hearing the word of God preach, you can be worshiping God by thinking about him, meditating on his word. That's reading the Bible and meditating on his word and thinking about how amazing God is. That's worshiping God. It's not just music. It's not just because you stand there and you wave your arms around. I'm worshiping God. or you, you lay down on the ground and you say that you're quote unquote soaking. Okay. That isn't worship. Okay? God actually wants you to use your mind to worship him actively, not passively, okay? Passively worshiping is usually involved in pagan religions, okay? Because what they want you to do in paganism is to empty your mind. And so they have these things, they have, um, things like meditation where you clear your mind, you empty your mind. Uh, in, in transcendental meditation, Eastern mysticism and Buddhism, um, and many different things, they have you emptying your mind. We have, um, the contemplative prayer. And they say repetitive phrases, just like the rosary in the Catholic church. You say phrases over and over and over and over again, and you're focusing on that one thing. You're not really thinking about anything, but you're using these phrases to empty your mind of any thought, okay? And that's a dangerous thing because God doesn't want you to do that. When the Bible says meditate, whenever it uses that, it says meditate on thy law all the day and night. He's he's talking about actively thinking about his word, he doesn't want you to shut your mind off, okay? And a lot of music today helps to shut your mind off and put you in a trance state. That's not good. That is not what God wants. That's what the devil wants, okay? And we'll continue. We're going to learn more, but please stay with me. Okay, here we are concentrating in the worship aspect of music and singing, and in particular, to check out if drums are fit instruments as an aid to producing a pleasant sound to the Lord. The musical instruments that are, by the way, we're going to do a study of all the different instruments mentioned in the Bible, okay, to see what the Bible has to say about drums. The musical instruments that are approved by the Bible to produce joyful noise to the Lord are clearly stated in Psalm 150 verses one through six. So let's go to that Psalm and let's see what instruments are mentioned. Now there's Instruments mentioned in a bunch of different Psalms and throughout the Bible, but this one lists a bunch of instruments in one verse, kind of summarizes them, okay? Excuse me. All right. Here we go. Verse one, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him with the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Psalm 150, 1 through 6. Now for you right now that are screaming, Look it! It says loud cymbals! It says high-sounding cymbals! That's the drums! Hold on there, buddy. Slow down. Because that ain't drums, okay? It said symbols, okay? Now, when you think symbols back in the time of David, back in, in the Old Testament, you don't picture um, a, a metal stand with symbols sitting on top of it and a guy with drumsticks in his hand and he's playing a beat, rocking out a drum set. No, you wouldn't picture such thing because such a thing didn't exist, okay? We're talking, this is talking about symbols that were used by themselves, you know, the kind that you clank together to make a sound, okay? The rest of the drum set's missing, and there's a reason for that. We'll talk about that later. Now, let's continue. We have listed here seven types of musical instruments, all right? So, we're going to get into the seven types, and these are kind of like categories of of instruments, okay? And we're going to go through these and see what the Bible has to says, has to says, that's, wow, that was dumb. What the Bible has to say about each of these instruments, all right? Let's continue. Trumpet. Shofar, also the shofar, okay, this type of instrument, a trumpet. What's the Bible say? Praise him with the sound of the trumpet, all right? Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. This is what John Gill had to say about that. John Gill was an expert in the Jewish customs that were used, okay, in, in history, which was used in calling the assembly together for worship and on other occasions and at the feast of blowing of trumpets. In the and in the year of Jubilee, Numbers ten one, and by the priest in temple service, 1 Chronicles 16.6, and was typical of the gospel, which gives a certain and joyful sound and is the cause and means of praising God. Amen. All right. So trumpets are used all throughout the Bible, and they're used to talk about, they talk about literal trumpets. And then there's also the more um, symbolic trumpets. It's, I wouldn't say symbolic, but uh it's it takes on a more spiritual sense when it talks about say for instance the last the seven angels with the seven trumpets and uh it's not really symbolic i believe they they will be playing a trumpet but those trumpets are the symbol of the judgment of god of um the the announcement of something new happening god's pouring out his judgment you know and um when the rapture hap- happens, it says with the, uh, God will descend with the trump of God, okay? You know, we're not getting into all that, the timing of the rapture and stuff. But I'm just saying, okay? It talks about a trumpet all over the place. Now, while leading the Israelites in their exodus from Egypt, Moses ordered his metalsmiths to fashion two long silver trumpets that could perform a variety of uses, signaling summoning assemblies, sounding the alarm and initiating celebration. So it wasn't just used in praising God for music. It was used for these other purposes, like sounding the alarm and and summoning assemblies. So you heard the trumpet. Now everyone get together and um, get ready to hear a message. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. We're going to turn over to Numbers chapter 10 verses 2 through 10. We'll read. Make thee two trumpets of silver, of a whole piece shalt thou make them, that thou mayest use them for the calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camps. Okay, so clearly he said, make trumpets of silver for the calling of the assembly. That's what the trumpets were used for. And when they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves to thee at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And if they blow but one with one trumpet, then the princes, which are the heads of the thousands of Israel, shall gather themselves unto thee. When you blow an alarm, the camp, then the camps that lie in the east parts shall go forward. When you blow an alarm the second time, then the camps that lie in the south side shall take their journey. They shall blow an alarm for their journeys. But when the congregation is to be gathered together, ye shall blow, but ye shall not sound an alarm. And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow with the trumpets, and they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. But if you go to war in your land against the enemy that oppresseth you, then shall ye blow an alarm with trumpets. So there's a certain type of uh, blowing of the trumpets that was saying that it's time to get together for an assembly. And then there was a blowing of trumpets that signaled an alarm, time to go to war. Okay? It says that in, um, you know, in 1 Corinthians uh, 12 or 14, one of those. What it says, if the trumpet given uncertain sound, how shall they prepare themselves for the battle, right? So there was a certain sound that had to be made with the trumpet for people to prepare themselves for the battle. Okay, so, and it shall be, they shall blow an alarm with trumpets, and it shall be remembered for the Lord, before the Lord your God, and ye shall be saved from your enemies, also in your day of gl- your gladness, and in your solemn days, and in the beginnings of your months, ye shall blow with the trumpets over your burnt offerings, and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, that they may be, to you for a memorial before your God. I am the Lord, your God. Okay. So we're going through these instruments and the Bible talks about trumpets. And so far, nothing bad about trumpets, nothing wrong with using a trumpet and a use for different purposes. And that's pretty much the end of that. All right, let's go on to the next one. Psaltery and harp. Okay. First of all, you might thinking, what is a psaltery? Well, we're going to explain that. We're going to study that. Okay. Turn over to Psalm 33, verse 2. Psaltery. These are basic, we're talking about stringed instruments, okay? So that's why it says psaltery and harp. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. So there, there it is. These are different types of stringed instruments, okay? Most scholars say that this was a stringed instrument, but that may not have been the case according to John Gill. Okay, so this is what he says. To which psalms were sung. The name of this instrument is in the Hebrew language, nebel. The account which Josephus gives of this and of the former is, the harp is extended with 10 strings and is plucked with a quill. The nabla or nebel or psaltery has 12 sounds and is played upon with the fingers. So he's saying, so Josephus was saying that the psaltery was like a 12 stringed instrument. Okay, but it seems from Josephus that it was not a stringed instrument, but had holes, and those twelve. Okay, so he was saying, excuse me, he was saying that it was like, um, kind of like a pipe because it had holes for your fingers. But it could have been a uh, a mix. And besides, it was dis- it is distinguished from the instrument of ten strings, Psalm ninety two three, and it was in the form of a bottle, from whence it had its name. Okay, so it could it could have been a combination of um, a piped instrument that had holes on it, 12 different holes on it. And, um, or like it said here, instrument with, how many said, 10 strings, sorry, 12 strings. But uh, let's continue on here. The vial, so here's the quote from uh, Josephus. The vial was an instrument of 10 strings. It was played upon with the bow. The psaltery had 12 musical notes and it was played upon by the fingers, okay? That's pretty much all he says about it. It said, 12 notes played upon by the fingers. I mean, could be taken either way. The Hebrew word nebel means a leather bottle, wine bottle, or skin. This could have been a type of bagpipe or other type of pipe. So it could have been like that, like a bagpipe, like you have a, a wine skin and you can squeeze it to make air come out and you have 12 holes to play it with that uh, type of bagpipe. Maybe it could have had some strings on it, you know, but basically that's the type of instrument it was. Okay, now I tend to think it might have had some strings on it because it's included in between two other instruments that have strings. Praise the Lord with the harp. Sing them with with the psaltery and an instrument of 10 strings. So you have a harp with strings and an instrument of 10 strings and then in between is the psaltery. So anyways, I think it most likely had strings on it. Now, let's move on to the next one. Harp. The Harp. Kinor, this is a well-known stringed instrument employed commonly in sacred music. It is often mentioned as having been used to express the pious feelings of David. Psalm 32, 2, and then some other ones, Psalm 43, Psalm 49. It is early mentioned as having been invented by Jubal. Go back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 19. And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other, Zillah. And Adah bare Jabal, he was the father of such as dwell in tents and if such as have cattle, and his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. Okay, so these instruments were around for a long time. This is all the way back in Genesis chapter four. Okay, um, all the way back to very close in generation to Lamech. Okay, so back then they had the harp and the organ. Okay, so it is supposed to usually have had 10 strings. Josephus talks about that. And I got the references on the screen. If you want to go check that out. In the first age, it was consecrated to joy and exaltation. Hence, it is referred to as an instrument employed by David to drive away the melancholy of Saul, the evil spirit. Okay, remember that? Saul was troubled by an evil spirit, King Saul. But then David came, he played upon his harp, and what happened? The evil spirit departed, and Saul was refreshed. Okay? And that also by the way is a perfect example as how of how uh music is not neutral, okay? Because it didn't say any any lyrics, it said that his music drove the evil spirit away. Okay? So there's a difference between good music and bad music. This good music drove the evil spirit away, but that's for another show. All right, and it, so the harp is the instrument usually employed to celebrate the praises of God, okay? Harps are all throughout the Bible. Look, they get all these references in Psalm 33, 43, 49, 71. It's all over the place. The harp was generally used on occasions of joy. Only in one place in Isaiah 16, 11, is it referred to as having been employed in times of mourning, but most of the time it's associated with joy, okay? We can only say it was an instrument made of sounding wood, and furnished with strings. Josephus says it was furnished with 10 strings and was played upon with the plectrum. You know, most likely there's like a, almost like when you have a violin, you have this type of stick that you can play upon, or, or you can play with your fingers. Um, suidas in his explanation of it, makes express mention of strings or sinews. Okay. And Pollux speaks of goat's claws as being used for the plectrum. David made it out of the barash or fur and Solomon out of the almond. So these are different types of wood. Okay. Pfeiffer supposes that the strings were drawn over the belly of a hollow piece of wood and that it had some resemblance to our violin, but it is more probable that the common representation of the harp is as nearly in the form of a triangle with one side or the front part missing is the correct one. And then another reference we have is the elders in heaven have harps Revelation 5 8. And when they when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Okay, so every so these elders had harps, okay, for use of praising God in heaven. Okay, and that's in the book of Revelation. So it's all the way there that we have reference to God approving. Of instruments, this instrument is in heaven. I mean, if you needed any more endorsement of an instrument, you see the instrument in heaven. I think that's a pretty good endorsement of an instrument, okay, so the harp is actually in heaven being used by elders, okay Now, what the harp is not, and what the te- what the stringed instrument is not it is not an electric guitar. Now, how can I say that? What do you mean? Uh, in, as far as an acoustic guitar goes, I don't see a problem with that. It is an inch, it is a stringed instrument. I don't see any problem with the acoustic guitar, a banjo, a, a lyre, a, uh, what do they call it? Uh, a dulcimer, anything like that. Any type of stringed instrument, I don't see a problem with it at all. Bible clearly talks about different types of stringed instruments. The problem I see with the electric guitar is two major problems, okay? Number one is the distortion, okay? When you have distorted, uh, you can use different pedals to create distortion. you can use you can plug them into your amplifier, you plug it into an amp, you use distortion. and now you're taking something that has a natural sound that is caused by the plucking of the string you're distro- distorting it and you're creating s- dissonant sounds. D- what is dissonant? Dissonance is something that's distorted. It's it's something that is not beautiful, not appealing to the ear um and and it goes against the sense of melody. And the Bible talks a lot about melody, okay? And we're going to talk about later in the in the study here about dissonance and how dissonance actually Um, causes, affects the mind and causes a a response and an adrenaline dump and a fight or flight response and sort of like an animal that's under attack. Okay. And um, it's not good. And the second problem with the electric guitar and stuff like that is that the volume can be turned up so incredibly loud that it's much more louder than any. Type of instrument that would have been played back in the Old Testament in, in Bible times, with it, it simply just putting strings over something. There's no way they would have been able to get as loud as a big amp with, with an electric guitar plugged in it. Okay, it's not. It's not healthy. Okay, and I can tell you from experience. I used to be a musician. I used to be in bands from the age of, uh, from the time I was 15 years old all the way up till I was 23. I played in different types of metal bands, okay? I played in death metal bands, some other experimental um, metal bands, and I really destroyed my hearing, okay? I destroyed my hearing being around band practice. Going, I destroyed my hearing from going to shows, and they blast the music so incredibly loud at concerts um, every time. And there's a reason for that, because it's overwhelming to you. It's supposed to... They're creating an experience to suck you in, and uh, it really is a powerful experience that affects you dramatically, dramatic impact on you. But nevertheless, it affects your hearing. It's your, your, our ears aren't designed to withstand that type of assault from these loud noises, the decibel levels that it goes to is out of control. So the point is, stringed instruments without amplification are biblically approved, but you can't tell me electric, that God wants you using some electric guitar with distortional kinds of uh, weird sounds and that are usually designed to put you in a trance state. Nope, I don't think so. And um, Yeah, so that's it for that. And, oh, and then one more thing too, when it comes to the piano, technically the piano is a stringed instrument because inside the piano, if you don't know, uh there are a series of strings that have been tightened under there and whenever you hit a piano key there's a hammer in there and the hammer comes down and it hits a string and that's what makes the sound that's what makes the different musical note so technically you're just using your fingers to make these hammers hit the different strings so you are when you're playing a piano you are using a stringed instrument so there's nothing wrong with the piano Uh, The piano has kind of become like the standard instrument for most churches today. Um, That's like the only instrument that they use. And some churches, I think, get pretty legalistic about it. And they're like, act like the the piano is the only God-ordained instrument for churches. Um, You can't show me that in the Bible. You can't even show me a piano in the Bible. Okay. Um, But like I said, it's a stringed instrument. So that's fine. But don't act like if you use acoustic guitar or a dulcimer or a banjo or some other thing, then all of a sudden now you're a heretic uh, and you're a compromiser. That's that's pretty ridiculous, okay? As long as you stick to the the instruments in the Bible, you're fine. And as long as you're making a proper noise to the Lord, then that's fine as well. And we'll find out what that is later. All right, let's continue on here. Timbrel, all right, we're on to the timbrel. What is a timbrel? Timbrel, let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. Psalm 149 verse 3, okay? So what is a timbrel? Timbrel is a handheld mini drum that resembled a tambourine, okay? So this is a tiny thing. This isn't a full-fledged kick drum or bass drum with the big boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom. Okay. That's not what we're talking about here. And that's very important because we're going to get into that. But this is a handheld mini drum resembling a tambourine. The tambourine consists of wood or metal shell. Okay. It's like a circle ranging from two to three inches in depth and seven to 12 inches in diameter. Okay. So you got a circle and uh, tambourines usually have one or two rows of jingles Sometimes small bells mounted in pairs in the shell, okay? Sometimes you get these like, it looks like mini cymbals lining all around the tambourine or little bells, and when you shake it, it makes a sound, a jingling sound, okay? Now, the primary sound from the instrument comes from the jingles, not the head, Although the technique of drumming on the head can be used to great effect, Moses's sister Miriam played one to celebrate the crossing of the Red Sea in Exodus 15:20. Okay, if you turn over to there, it says this, and Miriam the prophetess, the sister by the way, that word prophetess doesn't always mean someone that is a preacher, okay? And the Bible clearly uses the word prophesy also in regards to singing. And playing music, okay, that's very important when it comes to the issue of women preachers, but that's a separate issue, okay. If you have any questions about that? Send me an email, okay. But I just had to mention that. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, "Sing ye to the Lord, for He hath triumphed gloriously; the horse and his rider." Hath he thrown into the sea? Now, it says, Miriam went and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. So Miriam was directing the women. She wasn't directing the men. That's very important when it comes to that whole context, okay? Anyways, they were using a timbrel, were they not? Yes, they were. It was a percussion instrument but was carried by women so it was small in size, nothing like the huge modern band drums and its sound would have been not, it would have been not ear, that's a weird structure of that sentence, sorry about that, would not have been ear deafening, okay? Would have been this giant boom, boom, boom instrument, okay? That's not what it was, okay? Got a little seven to 12 inch circle and and they hit it, they got something to keep time, keep rhythm with some some jingling in there. And they're hitting that and that's what it makes, okay? It's to keep time, keep the rhythm. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with the percussion and the, ry- the rhythm, okay? But when it comes to overemphasis on the rhythm and the very loud bass drums, then there begins to be a problem, okay? Now let's go to tabrets because there's timbrels and tabrets mentioned in the Bible. What's a tabret? The difference between a tabret and timbrels is that timbrels are associated with praising God, while tabrets are associated with praising man, especially except for when tabrets were a part of Lucifer before his fall, okay? This is very interesting. I studied this out for a little while. I was trying to figure out the difference, and this is what I found. All right, so let's look at this. Genesis chapter 31, verse 27 There's other instances, other verses we could go to, but these are just what we're going to give for now. Genesis 31 verse 27, wherefore didst thou flee away secretly and steal away from me? And didst not tell me that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with songs, with tabret and with harp? Okay. So that's talking about the praise of a man. Okay. And they were using tabrets to praise this man. Other times it was talking about praising Solomon and some other men. It's always a uh, uh, music used to praise a man and they're using a tabret uh and then and, and here's another one in first um, samuel 18:6 and it came to pass as they came when david was returned from the slaughter of the philistines that the women came out of all the cities of israel singing and dancing to meet king saul with tabrets with joy and with instruments of music first samuel 18:6 again that's they're using tabrets to praise a man but timbrels were used to praise God, okay, and you can go look back at the mention of Lucifer. We're gonna go to that in one of the next sections, but Lucifer had tabrets in his body, and it's interesting that he had tabrets in his body, and then after he fell, tabrets were just used in the praise of man. Just, just a coincidence, I guess, right? All right, let's move on here. Um, we do have some more about stringed instruments. I guess I have that in there, but um, we'll just go through that real quick. Stringed instruments. Just to put a cap on that uh stringed instruments Habakkuk three nineteen, the Lord God is my strength, and He will make my my feet like hind's feet, and He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments, all right, so what are stringed instruments, a harp of ten strings, as it says in the targum okay so that's a Jewish text commentary the targum were were spoken paraphrases exp- explanations, and expansions of the Jewish scriptures also called the Tanakh, that a rabbi would give in the common language of the listeners, which was often in Aramaic. The harp invented by Terpander had only seven strings. Terpander of Antissa in Lesbos was a Greek poet and Scytherid who lived about the first half of the 7th century BC. He was the father of Greek music. What's a Scytherid? Scytherid refers to it, and please excuse me if I'm saying these words wrong, You can correct me later. Uh, It refers to a classical Greek professional performer of the Scythera, sometimes the lyre, as one who used the Scythera to accompany their singing, okay? Let's continue. So there was the earliest one seemed to have seven strings back in 7th century BC. But then we have, according to Pliny, Simonides added the eighth string. Simonides of Sios was around uh, 556 to 468 BC. He was a Greek lyric poet born at Ioulis on Sios, And Timotheus added the ninth string, Timotheus of Miletus. That was 446 to 357 BC. He was a Greek musician and dithyrambic poet, an exponent of the new music. He added one or more strings to the lyre, whereby he incurred the displeasure of the Spartans and Athenians. Okay, but this of David was of 10 strings. and John Gill says when he talks about the stringed instruments. He's talking about 10 strings. Okay. In Psalm 33, 2. Okay. So that's kind of like a mini history of the evolution of it. It's like seven strings moving on to um, eight and nine and 10 strings. But uh, anyways, different types of stringed instruments. The lyre The lyre is a stringed instrument known for its use in Greek classical antiquity and later periods. The lyre is similar in appearance to a small harp, but with distinct differences. The lyre of classical antiquity, classical antiquity was ordinarily played by being strummed with a plectrum. It's like a pick. It's like today, we got a a guitar pick. That's what it's like. Like a guitar or a zither, rather than being plucked with the fingers as with the harp, the fingers of the free hand silenced the unwanted strings in the court. So lyre, basically the difference is they played it with a pick, a plectrum instead of with their fingers. However, later lyres were played with a bow, including in Europe and parts of the Middle East. And then we have the cithra. The cithra or the kithara was an ancient Greek musical instrument in the lyre or lyra family. In modern Greek, the word kithara has come to mean guitar, a word whose origins are found in kithara. Okay, so that's where you get the word guitar. The kithara was a professional version of the two-stringed lyre as opposed to the simpler lyre, which was a folk instrument. The kithara was primarily used by professional musicians called kitharodes. The kithara's origin is likely Asiatic. And then we have the barbiton, was a bass version of the Kithara, popular in the Eastern, again, and ancient Asian minor. And then we got a couple more here. The Kinor is conspicuous among the instruments, not only because it was one of the first two instruments that Jubal contrived, but also because the Kinor was the instrument of King David. That's what they say. The Kinor is exclusively associated with joyful occasions, okay? So that's just a quick rundown of stringed instruments, okay? like i said those so those are those are some approved instruments in the bible stringed instruments uh next, let's move on here organ or pipes, okay, organs and pipes, piped instruments. let's take a look at this Pipe conveys the idea of a flute bored through with and furnished with holes, so it's like a flute, okay a simple shepherd's instrument, probably single reed and apparently widely used. The people piped with pipes when King Solomon was anointed by Zadok the priest. 1 Kings 140. Uh let Let's go to the reference. Starting verse 39, And Zadok the priest took a horn of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon, and they blew the trumpet. And all the people said, God save King Solomon. And all the people came up after him, and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy so that the earth rent with the sound of them. Pretty loud. Okay. And, uh, that was when, but that wasn't every day that they're playing this earth-rending sound. It was when they made Solomon King. It's a pretty big occasion, okay? Uh, <laughs> if you think you're supposed to listen to earth-rending music every day, you're out of your mind. All right. Now, Lucifer had pipes built into his body. All right. Check this out. Ezekiel 28 is a description of Lucifer before he fell and became the devil and Satan. All right. Thus saith the Lord God, starting verse 12. Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardias, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Um, okay, so clearly we have instruments, musical instruments, that were created in Lucifer in his own body. Because it says these pipes were prepared in thee, in the day that he was created, tabrets and pipes. So we get the tabrets is the rhythm, pipes is the melody, rhythm and melody make the essential elements of music. Okay. So Lucifer was designed to be not only over music, but he was actually an instrument, instruments in his body that were supposed to only be used to do what? To praise God. That's what they were used for. Not to praise anyone else, any created being, but to praise God. Amen. Now, when Lucifer fell, what do you think he did? He, you think he knew a little bit about music? Yes, he did. What do you think he did with that music? He used it for evil purposes. And now, since Satan knows about music, he is able to use it to manipulate people. And he has also been using it to try and seduce Christians and professing Christians in order to make them think that they can use certain types of corrupted music in order to use it to praise God. Lucifer knows exactly what he is doing. That is why the devil is trying to appeal to your flesh. That's what he's doing with this music. And it's working with a lot of people. They have been, they have been seduced by the devil into thinking that the corrupted music and satanic music is okay to use in order to worship and praise God, okay? He knows exactly what he's doing. And uh, if you don't think that he's doing that, well, you just don't believe in the devil. I, I, I just find it so funny how there's so many people out there and there's Christians and, and pastors even who it's almost like they believe that the devil doesn't even exist, that he's not out there as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, uh, they believe it in a, in a sort of a mental ascent kind of a way. They believe it in a conceptual way. Yeah, I believe in the devil, but they don't actually bring it home and get down to where the rubber meets the road and say, Hey, look at, here's one way that, and one uh, thing that the devil is using to try to attack us and seduce us. They won't actually call that out and say, Hey, that's the devil doing that. They don't ever want to bring it up. Why? Cause they're scared or they don't believe it. They don't have faith and they don't actually believe what this Bible says. See, that's all it takes is taking the word of God literally and actually really believing what it says. Okay. Now, having said all that, uh, let's look at something else here about the modern versions of the Bible. Okay. And I keep, you know, a lot of my teachings, I bring up the Bible version issue because it's a very important issue. Very, very important foundational issue which Bible you're using because that's where you get all your doctrine from. And, um, you know, I'm going to be doing dedicated teaches on the, teachings on the Bible version issue. But for now, whenever I get the chance, I'm going to show you how the modern versions are corrupted and different from the King James. And here's an instance, okay? So other Bible versions... Take the musical instruments out of Lucifer completely, okay? Let's look at a couple right here. In the NIV, it says this, and this is in the same verses that I read about Lucifer in Ezekiel 28. This is what other versions say. NIV says this, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. Carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis lazuli. Oh, that's much easier to understand, isn't it, right? You know, the modern versions say it's easier to understand, um lapis lazuli. That's so much more easy to understand than sapphire, right? Yeah. Turquoise and barrel. And then listen to what it says. Your settings and your mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. Okay, so instead of saying, The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created, it says your settings and your mountings were made of gold. So settings and mountings a little bit different than pipes and tabards. So which one is right? Because they both don't say the same thing. How can you try and say that all Bible versions say the same thing? As Oh, they basically say the same thing. They don't change doctrine. Well, guess what? It does change your doctrine of what the Bible teaches you about Lucifer when one says he has musical instruments built into his body and the other one doesn't. That's a pretty big difference. Let's look at another translation. ESV, the favorite of the modern-day Reformed Calvinist guys. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Stardust, topaz, diamond, barrel, onyx, sapphire, right? The carbuncle, all that stuff. And now what does it say? And crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day you were created, they were prepared, okay? So instead of pipes and tablets, what does it say? Your settings and engravings your settings, and your mountings. Here's another one, the New Living Translation. You were in need in the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. And it lists them all, right? <laughs> My favorite, the pale green peridot and the white moonstone. Where do they get this junk, dude? All right. And then what does it say? All beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. So they completely take that out. All beautifully crafted, set in the finest gold. Nothing about musical instruments. Completely taken out. And let's look at one more. Your favorite modern day Bible translation, the Message Bible. You had everything going for you. You were in Eden. You were in Eden, God's garden. You were dressed in splendor, your robe studded with jewels carnelian peridot moonstone all that stuff right and then it was to say all in settings of engraved gold a robe was prepared for you the same day you were created once again nothing about musical instruments okay nothing so there you go the modern versions take out the musical instruments out of lucifer pretty interesting there but the pipe was in lucifer's body and um if you have the King James Bible. Now, a couple more points here. Pipes are associated with praising man or people who are judged by God. Okay? So, pipes don't really have too positive of a context in the Bible. Generally used with praising man or with people who are judged by God. The flute is only mentioned in association with the worship of nebuchadnezzar's image okay remember they said when all the music plays everyone bowed down and worshiped the image that nebuchadnezzar created well one of the instruments mentioned was flute okay it doesn't mean all the instruments that were mentioned were bad it's just that that was the only mention of it okay and uh, pipes and then after the fall of lucifer we can see that god does not use tablets and pipes for his praise okay we don't see pipes being used and then it makes sense. And here's another negative association with pipes. This is why I caution the use of pipes. Makes sense why Pan is always playing his pipes. And this is associated with the Pied Piper. Led Zeppelin talked about the Piper calling you to join him. Okay, so Pan always has pipes. Pan is a pagan god. Okay, this half goat, half man god is a disgusting pervert. Evil devil uh it was basically a, is is a representation of satan and um alistair crowley worshiped pan he actually did a ritual to summon pan pan and uh he took another guy with him up in this room and um he they locked themselves in this room overnight and they told their their other friends to stay downstairs in the bottom of this hotel and no matter what sounds you hear don't come in the room. Well, they waited all night, they heard some yelling and screaming, and then they came in the morning, they opened up the door, uh, the one guy was dead, and Alistair Crowley was crouching in the corner, shaking and talking to himself, and he was driven insane. He actually had to go to a s- insane asylum, basically, for a couple months until he regained uh, sanity and uh, started back living in society. So, that was the summoning of Pan. Also the um the his secret society that he belonged to, which still exists today, the OTO Ordo Templi Orientis, which is a totally satanic um uh organization. It's based on, on Aleister Crowley's religion, the of Thelema. Thelema is the Greek word for will. They worship the will. And anyways, they um they have something called the hymn to Pan that they wrote. And so like Pan is one of the false gods that they worship um it's it's a they're a bunch of wicked people who who use uh sex magic is disgusting and anyways they worship pan and in one in one part of the actually of the hymn to pan it's he says they say something like uh what is it i rave and i rip and i rape and i rave and so it talks about pan raping so great character and then you have pan in, in movies like um the new, the newer version of the Chronicles of Narnia, they put in, Pan in there and he seems like a uh, a pedophile around some little kid. And then you have Pan's Labyrinth. Pan is is absolutely evil god, but he always has this flute with him, right? Pan's flute. And then you have the Pied Piper, which is a very similar character. Not going to get into the whole story about Pied Piper, but basically the different variations of the story. Supposedly, there was a bunch of snakes in this town and they wanted to come... Uh, the Pied Piper to come and, and drive the snakes away. So he came and he drove the snakes away with his music, but then they didn't pay him the gold or whatever. They uh, they said they were going to pay him. So for his revenge, he played his pipes and he led all the children out of the town and he took them away to his land. Some say he took them off a cliff and killed them. and But anyways, he stole all the children away from town. The basic point of it is the a story of the Pied Piper, he's always associated with stealing the children's hearts, captivating the children with his music and leading them away from their parents out of the, vi- the safety of their village. Okay, that's the concept-, concept of Pied Piper. Now, Led Zeppelin talked about the Piper in their song, Stairway to Heaven. Okay, sorry, Stairway to Heaven is not a good song. Um, by the way, Stair- uh, Led Zeppelin was, did um, follow Alistair Crowley uh, the the guitarist of Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page, bought a house that Aleister Crowley used to live in, called Bolskine over in Lock, by Loch Ness in uh, Scotland. Okay, he moved into his house because he was a t- disciple of Aleister Crowley, studied his stuff. Well, anyways, they uh, wrote the lyrics of the song, and in the song, he says Robert Plant wrote, "The Piper is calling you to join him." Okay. Who's he talking about? The Piper, the Pied Piper. What is it a reference to? Satan. Sound about Satan. Okay. So that's another reference to the this type of character, this archetype that Satan is represented as, as the Pied Piper that leads children away, especially with the power of music. That is... How Satan operates, okay? Music is one of his major weapons that he uses to entice people, especially children and teenagers. He goes after them with the music, okay? I'm trying to warn you of the dangers of allowing your children to listen to bad music. It is extremely dangerous. Trust me, I know from experience, I was sucked into bad music from a very young age, okay? I started off with the hard rock. And then it got heavier into heavier metal. And next thing I knew I was in full blown death metal, guttural, crazy stuff. Okay. Now, even if you're into the regular rock stuff, it's still totally satanic. And uh, we could get in the whole a- other aspects of their connections to the CIA and psychological warfare and um, the whole project MKUltra. I mean, there's the connections are all over the place when it comes to rock music. Okay? In the 60s and the 50s and everything that came out of there. I mean, I could just go on and on about that stuff. But, and I have all the proof for it, all the proof, documented evidence, and I will talk about it one day. But I'm just letting you know right now, this stuff is dangerous. And one of the most dangerous things about this is the beats and the drums. That's what we're talking about. But today, I'm just telling you about the pipes. I don't really see very much positive reference to pipes in the Bible, okay? Maybe that's why they always start you off in school with the recorders so we can all torture each other with those horrible sounds that come out of the recorders. Um, I think that's why they did it, it, because recorders are satanic. Okay, I was joking about that, but still, they are awful. All right, let's continue on to organs. Organs, and we're not talking about the liver and the kidneys. We're talking about an instrument, the organ. All right, Psalm one fifty, verse four: Praise him with the timbrel and dance; praise him with stringed instruments and organs. What are organs? Which have their name from the loveliness of their sound. These are of ancient, original, and use, and were not of the same kind of those in use now, which are much later invention. The word is derived from a verb meaning to breathe, to blow. And would be applicable to any wind instrument it here represents the whole class of wind instruments the organ was the other instrument mentioned in genesis 421 and his brother's name was jubal he was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ genesis 421 okay so not a lot about organs in the bible but um as far as like is it bad or good you know, like a uh, or I, uh, you know, the bagpipe could be a type of organ. It's associated with wind, and uh, the modern day organ. It's like a, um, you know, it has the keys like a piano, but they have all these different pipes coming up, and and uh, so it's like a combination. And um, but those are different types of pipes. So organs, you know, I don't see anything directly bad about it in the Bible, so. It's kind of an iffy thing for me, but um, there you go. There's the organs. There's not a whole lot about it. Okay. There's much more about strings, instruments, and harps and and all those other ones, you know? So, uh, but nevertheless, it should be, if it is used, it should be used in a godly way. We'll talk about that later about the melody and the rhythm and these types of things. Okay. That's what's most important. Okay. Let's move on here to symbol. Okay. Symbol. Alright, so this is the last instrument we're gonna mention before drums, right? Yeah. Before we get into the main thing about drums, symbol we'll talk about here. All right, symbol, first Chronicles thirteen, eight. And David and all Israel played before God with all their might, and with singing, and with harps, and with psalteries, and with timbrels, and with cymbals, and with trumpets. First Chronicles thirteen eight. All right. Now, Mm -hmm. cymbals are thin metal plates that are usually played in pairs and produce sound when struck together. When they are graded one against the other, cymbals produce a pleasing metallic rumble. The technique used when a single cymbal is called for is produced by striking it with the drumstick, or you roll it with the soft mallet, okay? And um, that's with one cymbal. The only permanent percussive instrument in the temple orchestra was the symbol. Okay. In the holy scriptures, the use of symbols is solely confined to religious ceremonies. Okay. Let's look at this. Psalm 150 verse five. Praise him upon the loud symbols. Praise him upon the high sounding symbols. The loud symbols were of a large diameter than the high pitch sounding were of two handed symbols. So if you don't know the high sounding symbols are smaller uh, when a symbol is smaller, it makes a more higher pitch sound when they're bigger, it makes a much lower pitch sound, just in case you didn't know that the high sounding symbols are much smaller and played by one hand. the symbols being attached to the thumb and middle finger respectively uh okay so that 's just basically that about the symbols it wasn't symbols par- that weren't part of a drum set with toms and a snare and a kick drum and and all this other stuff doesn 't say anything about that it's just the symbol. Okay, so you can't apply symbols to a drum set and a rock band. Okay, to make that leap is ridiculous. And if you try to use that argument, you are ridiculous. <laughs> you are ridiculous. And you just want to justify yourself. You say, see symbols, therefore rock band. Look at symbols, therefore drum set, modern day drum set and rock band. You're making this giant logical, illogical leap. It makes no sense. And you only want to do it to justify your music because it's an idol to you and you like it more than you care about what the word of God says. That's just the reality of it. That's why you're trying to justify yourself. Okay. Instead of just agreeing with what the Bible says, conforming yourself to it. And if you're wrong, that's okay. Hey, it's okay if you're ignorant. It's okay if you're wrong. Just repent of it, put it behind you and now do what's right. That's all I'm asking. That's all God asks. Okay? When you know the truth, respond to it Okay, when you hear it. All right, so let's look at this. We got a chart right here. Let's look at this chart. A summary of singing and using of musical instruments in Psalms is tabulated below. But by the way, the number one instrument used in the Bible is the voice. Okay, You can never go wrong with the singing, Okay, the acapella. Uh, obviously, there's some weird styles of singing, but generally speaking, Using the voice, if you only use the voice, you are absolutely safe, pretty much safe. And um, though that's talked about more than anything else in the Bible. Over here, we have all these references in the Psalm about singing, using the voice. The most by far of any instrument is the human voice. Then after that, we have harps and psalteries, almost as much as mentioned. And then a little bit less, we have timbrels and trumpets and then only one reference to the symbol in Psalm 150 and then drums like the toms and the bass drum, nothing zilch, not one reference in the positive. Okay. None. That's very significant because you would think if it was okay. And with the such focus that churches have today, they have to have a drum set. They have to have that as the central aspect of what drives the music and then the band and uh, drives the worship service, you know, it all comes back to the drums. You would think there would be a lot more references to drums in the Bible for them to put that much emphasis on it. But guess what? There's none. There's absolutely none. Okay. And we're going to move on here and we're going to talk about drums. Just a little, a little word before we get into that. Reference to singing only is far more present then also with instruments, there is with other instruments, there is no reference to actual drums except for timbrels and tabrets, which are not the same size as full-size drums. Among the groups of instruments, the most primitive is undoubtedly the percussion instruments. It is interesting to note that the first two instruments that the Bible mentions are not percussion instruments, but harp and organ, both used to make melody. Perhaps the reason that underlies this situation is the ambiguous nature of percussion, percussive instruments. While the stringed instruments and the wind instruments are meant specifically for making music, percussive instruments often blur the line between religious function, music, and dance. To note that the more beautiful music ever written by man makes no use of drums, that is classical music. Modern music is far of far inferior quality, makes extensive use of drums, perhaps to confuse the issue and to cover up bad playing and poor melody. Music has to be in tune with the harmony of God's creation. Modern music is not, as evidenced by the many tests that have proven that even plants and cows, when subjected to classical music, they grow towards the speaker or produce more milk. Whilst they subjected to rock music, the plants die and the cow's milk dries up. Many farms play classical music in their stalls all day long. Recently, they have found that playing classical music into the vines produces better grapes, and also keep the room away. Now, I don't endorse every piece of classical music uh, because a lot of those classical composers, I know this is going to be a controversial statement, but I'm just going to blurt it out there anyway. A lot of these classical composers were absolutely wicked heathen. They were, okay? Some of them were Freemasons, like Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky, come on. Tchaikovsky. He was a sodomite. He was gay. He was totally gay. And uh, Beethoven... Freemason, some of these people. He sounded like he was devil possessed. He heard music. He was deaf, but he heard music playing in his head and all this stuff. And there's just a lot of bad stuff. We could do a whole study on it, okay? But it's not all good, okay? It's not. Some of it is good, and but I will tell you, it's better than rock music. Rock music is literal, just psychological warfare, dissonant trash. Um and it's only existed for the past, you know, what, what? I don't know, 70 years, and um, it's not good for you. So, let's continue. All right, let's go on to drums. Drum, the Tophet. All right, let's get into it. The drum is a percussion instrument uh, known in various forms and played throughout the world and throughout history. Essentially, a drum is a frame over which one or more membranes or skins are stretched. The frame is usually cylindrical or conical, but it comes in many other shapes. It was known since the beginning of time. Nevertheless, it is not found in the Bible as an instrument in the worship of God. Okay? However, we see it plenty of it in the satanic worship with the name Tophet, the same as Topheth. Okay? And let's look in Jeremiah 7, 31. And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart. So where was this? They built the high places of Tophet in the valley of the son of Hinnom. And the valley of the son of Hinnom is where they burned babies alive. They sacrificed children to Moloch. Josiah destroyed the places of child sacrifice, okay? In 2 Kings 23.10, it says this, And he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Molech, okay? It was associated with child sacrifice and pagan worship of the false god Molech, okay? So, It was Topheth. Why is that place called Topheth? Why is it called Topheth, the place where they sacrifice children and worship Molech? Well, let's find out. Toph is the Hebrew word for drum. That's why it's called Topheth because Toph means drum. But why is it called drum? Let's check it out. John Gill gives a commentary right here. And he defiled Topheth, a place so-called as is generally thought, from the beating of drums in it, that the shrieks of the infants sacrificed here to Molech might not be heard by their parents. It was called that place because that's where they played drums to cover up cries of babies being burned alive. So the parents wouldn't hear the cries and say, Oh, stop it, stop it, please don't burn my baby and 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 just just give it up. And so other people didn't hear it. Do you know how loud the drums would have to be? Very loud to cover up baby screams. Guess what? That's why they use drums because drums are loud. Not a very good association, is it? Okay? So that they they covered up the shrieks of the infants so that the parents might not hear it and they repent of delivering them to him and take them away so the indians in india now okay so indians in india at the time john gill wrote this back in uh, i don't know the 1700s so the indians in india now at the burning of wives with their deceased husbands attend with drums and trumpets okay they burn when the burning of the wives with their deceased husbands they cover it up with drums. When the husband dies, they burnt the wife. And at such time as the fire is to put the uh, is put to the wood, the drums and trumpets make a terrible noise for fear their cries should be heard. Once again, covering up the drums used to cover up the cries of people being burned alive and killed. Uh, Isaiah 30 and 33 and Jeremiah 7, 31, that this he defiled by casting any sort of filth or unclean thing into it in contempt of the idolatry they're committed, talking about um, uh, other kings like King Josiah when he defiled their altars, and to alienate the minds of men from it. Okay, So there we have the association with drums covering up the cries of people and, and babies being sacrificed to Molech. And here's another thing, John Gill says, there is some agreement between this account of Jarki and that which Diodorus... Siculus gives of saturn to whom children were sacrificed by the carthaginians who he who had he says a brazen image of saturn which stretched out his hands inclining to the earth so that a child put upon them rolled down and fell into the chasm fold of fire they got an open belly which is similar to the moloch worship and it had a fire in it and they put the baby on the hands it rolls down the arms into the belly of fire and they burn the baby alive okay and the carthaginians were using this drum too to cover up the screams carthaginians are infamous infamously known for sacrifice doing human sacrifice uh here we go moloch was the god of the ammonites portrayed as a bronze statue with a calf's head adorned with a royal crown and seated on a throne. His arms were extended to receive the child's victim, sacrifice to him. Moloch was a frightening and terrible demon covered with mother's tears and children's blood. When a child was sacrificed to Moloch, a fire was lit inside the statue. The priest would beat then beat loudly on drums and other objects so that the cries of the roasted baby would not be heard. Such was the use of drums. The large frame drums were never used in the worship of God. The nearest thing resembling a drum, drum was a timbrel or tabret, similar to a tambourine, but these were handheld, making light sounds, not deep, loud sounds. Big, big difference. And guess what? The bass drum, the big toms, that's the same thing as the the artificial beat that is made using a drum machine or a synthesizer or whatever used to make artificial beats and hip-hop and dubstep and pop music and stuff like that same thing same same thing trance music hard house doesn't matter what it is It's that deep bass sound that is is used to appeal to the flesh and we'll get into that later but that's the association with drums. That's why you don't see it being used in association with worshiping God in the Bible. You don't see it. There's no evidence for it whatsoever, okay? Okay, now, let's see here. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get into this next section. Okay, so before we get into this next section here, that's that kind of completes the study of the different instruments mentioned in the Bible. We studied each instrument mentioned in the Bible and what the Bible has to say about it, okay? And so far, we have a clear understanding that most of the instruments, the number one instrument mentioned in the Bible is the human voice. That's the best one to use in praising God. Then after that, it would be the stringed instruments, um the stringed instruments, the trumpets, and then the organs and the the, you know, the the timbrel, the tabrets, and the cymbals, those are lower down in the list. And then there's no mention of drums, except with the tophet, which is used in connection with covering up baby screams. Okay. Not a good association. Okay. So, very clearly, right off the bat, we have a Bible study that we did that is breaking down all the instruments used in the Bible. And we don't see the modern day drums being used to worship God. The closest thing we get to is the tablets and cymbals, but not the bass drum. Okay. That loud, deep, thundering sound. We don't have it. Okay. And um, so we're going to get, we've got a bunch more stuff to get into how the beat appeals to the flesh. The association with pagans using uh, drums to communicate with spirits. Uh, we're going to talk about dubstep and, and psychological warfare and death metal a little bit and uh, the drums and, and the beats and what rock musicians have to say about beats. We've got a bunch more stuff to talk about, okay? So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to cover all that stuff so we get a nice thorough study on drums and beats, all right? So we'll be right back. All right, we're back, and uh, let's get into the second half of the show here. Uh, So now that we did the study about the different types of instruments, we're going to get into a lot of different issues. Um, We're going to see what the Bible says about what type of music we should be using, how it should impact us, how it shouldn't impact us, and um, we're going to talk about a lot of other issues. And not only we're going to study the Bible, we're also going to see what popular, well-known secular musicians say about music and science and all that stuff so let's get into it drumming up demons christian music should feed the spirit not the flesh okay that's one principle that we need to abide by should feed the spirit not the flesh this christian the christian life is a spiritual life a christian is born again of the spirit uh, jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh that which is born of the spirit is spirit marvel not that i said unto to thee "Ye must be born again john 3 67. Okay. You must be born again. Jesus said you must be supernaturally transformed into a new creature by the power of God. If you repent of your sin, repent of a life of rebellion and sin against God and put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, that he died for your sin, took the punishment that you deserve. He was buried for three days, rose again the third day, and now sits at the right hand of God. If you believe that and you have faith and you put your faith in him and trust him, you will be saved. You will be born again. And uh, that's what I want for everyone. Now, uh, so we said here, a Christian is born again of the spirit and a Christian is to walk in the spirit after you're born again. This I say, then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians five sixteen. God is a spirit and you must worship him in spirit. God is a spirit and they that mu- worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. John 4, 24. And a Christian's music should be spiritual, not carnal. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. First Corinthians 14, 15. Okay. So we got four points here. Christian life is a spiritual life. A Christian is born again to the spirit. A Christian is to walk in the spirit. God is a spirit and you must worship him in spirit. And a Christian's music should be spiritual, not carnal carnal. Okay. So these are some principles. I have a whole nother show that I'm going to release about Bible guidelines for Christian music, but we're just going to quickly summarize those today uh, because it's very pertinent to this issue. Uh, So this guy says, um, I think this is uh, taken from a Terry Walken study, but um, he's got some good stuff on music. But anyways, he says here, I've had CCMers, um, people who support the CCM stuff. Scream many times. The Bible doesn't give any guidelines for Christian music. It's all a matter of taste and preference. And then he says, "I usually turn to Ephesians five nineteen and Colossians three sixteen, and they surprisingly eye them for the very first time." Supposedly, apparently, it's important enough to the Lord to list them twice. The Bible lists three specific types of Christian songs. I'm sorry, three types of specific Christian songs. Psalms hymns, and spiritual songs. I certainly do not think that CCM and rock music is a psalm, hymn, or spiritual song. Rock music and CCM is fleshly music. Christian music should feed the spirit, not the flesh. Let's look at these two verses. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then the other reference is Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. A Christian has cruci... So both of those things mention spiritual songs, by the way. What's the opposite of a spiritual song? A carnal song, fleshly. A Christian has crucified the flesh. Galatians 5.24 says, And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. The spirit and the flesh are contrary and opposite. They are enemies. It says in Galatians 5.16, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. Okay, so after you get saved, you there's a war between the flesh and the spirit. The Bible says abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Okay. So you have that, that daily f- battle with the flesh, but the, you're supposed to walk after the spirit and mortify the deeds of the body through the spirit. You're supposed to die daily. Okay. Not feed the flesh, make no provision for the flesh to feed the flesh. Okay. You're not supposed to do that. It couldn't be clearer. Christian music should feed the spirit, not the flesh. And rock music, which is what CCM is, is flesh, okay? Now, I got one more verse for you. I'm just going to crank on over to that real quick. Um, may, I think it's not provision. I, I just want you to hear that verse real quick, okay? Derp. I recommend the search program, by the way. It's KGB, simple search. All right, not provision. Here it is. Put on you the Lord Jesus Christ and make Not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Romans 13, 14, okay? Don't make provision for it. What does that mean? Don't provide food for it. Don't feed the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof, okay? With fleshly music, you're making provision for the flesh, okay? So, let's continue here. Rock music is flesh. There is no doubt rock music is flesh, it's carnal. That's why the world loves rock music. The world does not love spiritual things. Uh, the Bible says, "But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him; neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned." First Corinthians two fourteen. But fleshly, carnal things. The world loves carnal things, right? And that is why the world loves rock music. Okay. The Bible says what? What does the Bible warn about the world? It says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world." And if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Okay? So it says love not the world. Why? Because what's in the world? The lust of the flesh is in the world. That's what the world loves. Okay? So that's what kind of music the world loves. Here's a few testimonies from the world. From the book, The Closing of the American Mind by Alan Bloom. But rock music has only one appeal only, a barbaric appeal to sexual desire. Not love, not eros, but sexual desire undeveloped and untutored. Page 73 from his book. Here's another quote from The Triumphal Vulgarity, page 4, Robert Pattison. Its admirers want to make rock appealing by making it respectable. The thing can't be done. Rock is appealing because it's vulgar. Rock is the quintessence of vulgarity. It's crude, loud, and tasteless. Now, may I remind you, these are not Christians. These are lost people of the world, secular people who are experts on music or musicians, and this is what they're saying about rock music, okay? You can't make rock music respectable, and you certainly can't. That means can't make it Christian, which is what people are trying to do in churches today. They're trying to baptize rock music and make it Christian, make it appealing and mixing it in the worship of God. It's absolutely can't be done. And we're seeing the effects today of how it's changing and affecting churches and it's changing the way that people are in those churches just through the music it's very powerful. Rock music, any rock music is flesh. You can label it Christian all you want, but that doesn't change its nature. It's still flesh. You can label strychnine candy, but that doesn't make it candy. It's still poison. What is rock music? What is the main characteristic of rock music? What makes rock different from other music? Why does rock appeal to the flesh? What is it about rock that has taken over the music world? In order to understand that answer that question, let's examine the components of music. Music is composed of three main components: melody, harmony, and rhythm. If these ingredients are not present, then it's not music but noise. Okay, first, let's look at melody, the most important thing melody Webster's dictionary defines melody as number one, sweetness of sound, music, number two, the chief theme of a musical composition, and three, a tune a song. Melody is the most prominent part of music. Melody is the theme of the tune. Without the melody line, there is no music. Melody is the horizontal line that the notes follow on the music score. Here's a few quotes from famous musicians on melody. From uh, the book Wordsworth, Dictionary of Musical Quotations, Joseph Hayden. Melody is the main thing. Harmony is useful only to charm the ear but melody is the main thing, okay? Here's another one. Wordsworth, Dictionary of Musical Quotations, Solomon Jadasson. Three things belong to composing. First of all, melody. Then again, melody. Then finally, for the third time, melody. And Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart from the same book said this. They got the quote. Melody is the very essence of music, okay? So we have experts and famous musicians saying what melody is the very essence of music. The most important aspect of music is the melody. Okay. Next harmony. Webster's dictionary defines harmony as agreeable proportion of sound, a succession of chords. And that's it. Harmony is when two or more notes are played at the same time. Harmony adds depth to the melody line. Harmony is the basis for the formation of chords. Harmony is the vertical line where the notes meet on the music score. Okay. So that's basically what harmony is. It kind of, uh, it adds to the melody, okay? Now, the third part is rhythm. Our friend Webster defines rhythm as the pattern of tones with regard to their relative time value, okay? So it's about timing. Rhythm is the movement in music. Without rhythm, music would be one long continuous sound or an uncontrollable noise. Rhythm or the beat is the glue that holds everything together. The rhythm is an unseen but required component of the music score, okay? It keeps time. It's important. Rhythm is important and say rhythm is bad. It's the overuse of it. All right, let's continue. So having learned what the three aspects of music are, what is different about rock music? Because of that rock is unlike any other music in other music. The melody is the main component, but in rock, the rhythm or the beat literally takes over the music. And by the way, when I use the word rock, it's any genre of music where the beat takes over the music. This can include pop music, rap music it can include include metal music dubstep anything where the beat is the takes prominence and it takes over the music it's the main emphasis and it's loud okay frank garlock says in his book music in the balance the rhythm in rock is the dominant part of the sound the heavy emphasis on the beat is what distinguishes rock from every other type of music and from the book the art of rock and roll by Charles Brown, perhaps the most important defining quality of rock and roll is the beat. Rock and roll is different from other music primarily because of the beat. Okay. So the beat is the main thing that differentiates rock music and all these modern day types of music from real music. It's the overemphasis of the beat. That's the heart of the whole thing. Okay. And it is the beat that the flesh loves. Okay. And how do we know that? Well, let's talk about it. Let's look at the evidence. From the book, Sound Effects, Youth, Leisure, and the Politics of Rock and Roll, Simon Fritz says this, the sexuality of music is usually referred to in terms of its rhythm. It is the beat that commands a direct, f- directly physical response. Okay? So what is affecting the body, the physical response and sexuality is the beat let's look at another quote the enjoyment of music by joseph Maklis. rhythm is the element of music most closely allied to body movement like the, the flesh to physical action it simpler patterns when repeated over and over which is exactly what rock does can have a hypnotic effect on us okay so rhythm is closely allied to body movement and physical action here's another um Okay, so we see this connection between the beat and the flesh, okay? it's r- 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 With the physical bodily response. Just check out this quote right here. Larry Norman in his song, Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music. Oh, that sounds like a great title. Um, <laughs> he's admitting that it's the devil's music, by the way. Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music sings about the fleshly and physical response of the beat of rock. It moves my feet. Ready? He says this in the song. I ain't knocking the hymns. Just give me a song that has a beat. I ain't knocking the hymns. Just give me a song that moves my feet, makes me dance, makes my body move. Okay? Give me a song that has a beat. That's what's associated with the flesh, provoking a response of the flesh. I've talked to hundreds of young people about the satanic and filthy lyrics in secular rock, and nearly everyone replies... I don't listen to the lyrics. I don't care what the lyrics say. It's the beat that I get into. And that's true. I've heard tons of people say that. I said, I don't care about the lyrics. I don't even know what the lyrics say, which is funny because a lot of lyrics are completely satanic and filled with witchcraft and and sex and drugs and filth, okay, and blasphemy. And they say, I don't care about the lyrics. I care about the beat. I like the beat. That's true. Because that's what sucks people in, okay? Now, Donnie Brewer of the 1970s group Grand Funk, I think this is Grand Funk Railroad, but he says this, we take the kids away from their parents and their environment to where the only reality is the rhythm and the beat from uh, Satan's Music Exposed, Lowell Hart. Doesn't that sound familiar? What did I talk about earlier about the Pied Piper? Taking the kids away from their parents? Using the music? These rock bands are admitting that they are doing the same thing as the Pied Piper. And the band Led Zeppelin says, The Piper's calling you to join him. See, that's what he said. They're admitting it to you. That's what they're doing. Taking your children away from you through the music. Here's another one. When secular rock star Michael Jackson was asked why he did the filthy sexual hand gestures on stage, he replied, It's the music that compels me to do it. You don't think about it. It just happens. I'm a slave to the rhythm. That's what he said. I'm a slave to the rhythm. By the way, after Michael Jackson died, many years after that, uh, I think it was the FBI or someone found a bunch of pictures of naked teenage boys in his house, but that's not a surprise. He was a pedophile. Why else would you have an amusement park at your house and call it Never Neverland and have little kids sleep over your house uh but hey, that's what happens to the the high level people, the most famous people in the world, the high level musicians and the actors and the politicians and the military and the business and the banking owners and the corporations and the they're all part of that club, and you ain't in it. the elite and uh, anyways, Michael Jackson, arguably the most popular pop singer of all time who was known for doing these nasty gay movements and dances all around the stage and grabbing his crotch uh and doing the moonwalk and stuff these dances what did he say i'm a slave to the rhythm it's all about the beat it's the beat that made him do it that appealed to the flesh And then uh, here's another thing that he says here. I've had hundreds of CCMers say to me, the Bible gives no instructions on the style of music for a Christian to listen to. It's all a matter of preference and culture. I have read many articles and books by CCM advocates that claim the Bible gives no instructions on the type of music for a Christian to listen to. Don Butler, Gospel Music Association Executive Director, says this, There's no such thing as gospel music. Every style and form of music can become gospel, whether it's jazz, pop, rock and roll, or rap. He said that in 1991. But what saith the Lord? Does the Bible, not like a lot of these people don't really care what the Bible says, but does the Bible, that's why they say, the Bible doesn't say anything about it. Well, maybe that's because you've never read it. You, You have your little daily devotion where you read one verse and a commentary on it, and then you're off, off, Throughout your day, and you forget about what you read. But if you actually study and read the whole Bible every day, yeah, there would be, you would maybe learn what it actually says about music. Does the Bible give us any indication to the type of music we should sing? Did the Lord, God who made heaven and earth, who created music and sound, who put so much emphasis on music and his word, did he forget to tell us what is Christian music? Not hardly. Thank God, he has given us instructions for our music. Thank God we can bury once and for all the ridiculous lie that the Bible gives no instructions on in the type of music for a Christian to listen to. It's all a matter of preference and culture. And let's look at a few verses right now. Isaiah twenty three sixteen says, Take in harp, go about the city, thou harlot that has been forgotten. Make sweet melody, sing many songs that thou mayest be remembered. Here's another one, Isaiah 51.3. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places and he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving in the voice of melody. Remember what we heard about the three elements of music, melody, harmony, and rhythm. What do we have reference to here in the Bible? Melody. Here's another one, Ephesians 5.18 and 19. And be not drunk with wine where is an excess but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making what? Melody in your heart to the Lord. The Lord gives God refers to music as melody. According to God, the emphasis of Christian music is the melody, not the beat. How is it that the CCM world keeps parroting The Bible gives no instructions to the type of music for a Christian to listen to. It's all a matter of preference and culture. Is it because they cannot read fifth grade English? The King James Bible is written in fifth grade English, by the way. Or is it they do not care what God says? I think so. I've shown many CCMers, Ephesians 5.19, and nearly all coolly reply, Oh, it doesn't really mean that. It don't really mean that. In other words, I don't care what God says. I'm going to rock and roll, man. That's what they say. Okay, except today the CCM is way more effeminate and toned down. So they're today's rock and roll is not like it was in the 70s. Like in the 70s, they would be like, yeah, rock on, man, in the 70s and 80s. But now it's like, I'm going to listen to worship music and we're going to just listen to some casting crowns and and we're going to listen to some, um, what's that guy's name? I don't know, some new one. You know what I'm saying. It's all it's, it's it's this weird, emotional, effeminate stuff. I can't stand it. It is just the first five seconds I hear it, and I just go, ugh. It just makes me sick. And I don't know how you can be born again, and that music doesn't just make you go, ugh, and you just get sickened by it. I don't know why. If you're a Christian, that music doesn't make you feel like that. It's It's emotional manipulation, okay? That's what it is. Okay. And they've taken all the testosterone out of it. Okay. Not to say that the testosterone in rock and roll was good before. I'm just saying it's still bad. It's just more feminine. All right. Now let's continue. Okay. I'm reminded of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as he describes some people, much like the CCMers who having eyes see ye not and having ears hear ye not what did he say? Mark eight, seventeen, and 18. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, and neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not? Do ye not remember? Mark eight, seventeen, and 18. So far, okay, so before I skip ahead, he said, perceive ye not, neither understand. Okay, Jesus is saying, you have eyes, but you can't see, and you have ears that you can't hear. Why don't you understand? There's a problem when you show someone the truth of an issue, and you show them all the proof and the evidence from the Bible, and they still reject it. There's a problem with that person's spiritual condition before God. There's a serious problem with that person. Okay? I highly doubt their salvation. Okay? Not because someone's ignorant. Okay? You can be ignorant of uh, the music issue and, and a bunch of other issues. But when someone patiently sits down with you, shows you the truth says, Hey, why don't you watch this video that, uh, my, my this my brother Nate here made. And it, you go through this whole study. And then after you're like, nah, I still think drums are fine to worship God with. You have a serious problem. Seriously. Pro- you have a big problem and you have no evidence on your side. Okay. All you have is your feelings and that's it. And opinions. All right. So far, we've seen number one, melody is the main theme of music. Number two, rock music emphasizes the beat. And number three, God defines music as melody. Now, are you ready for this? Fasten your seatbelt and hold on. Here comes a biggie. Most of rock music in CCM does not have any melody. According to the technical definition of music, rock is not even music. According to the Lord God, rock music is not music. No melody equals no music. The world-famous composer and conductor Dmitri Tyomkin said of rock music, The big beat is deliberately aimed at exciting the listener. There is actually very little melody, little sense in lyrics, only rhythm. The uh, Los Angeles Herald-Examiner quoted him in 1965. Lenny Seidel, a concert pianist and 25-year Christian music scholar, gives this definition of both godly music and rock music. He said, this true godly music will be composed of three elements, all in perfect balance with each other. They are melody, harmony, and rhythm. Rock music has no melody, only fragments of melody endlessly repeated. Since there is no true melody, there is no real harmony. There is only rhythm. And rhythm in and of itself is not music. Okay. From Contemporary Music on Trial, pages 46-51. Okay. Now, in his classic book, The Understanding of Music, author Charles R. Hoffer answers our question, how does rock differ from other popular music? How does rock differ from jazz and other popular music? One characteristic is its heavy beat, which led one critic to define rock as music in which the bass drum carries the melody. Charles Hoffer, The Understanding of Music. Okay, see the theme here? Repeated it over and over again. Popular author, Martha Bales, writes in her eye-opening book, Hole in Our Soul, The Loss of Beauty and Meaning in American Popular Music. Popular music seems terminally hostile to any sound traditionally associated with music, Martha Bales said. And uh, it's terminally hostile to any sound associated with music. Even the secular satanic rockers, the Rolling Stones, admit rock is not music but noise. Mick Jagger said this, it's a noise we make. That's all. You could, what does he say? You could hear he kind and call it music. Oh, be kind. I was like, what does it mean? Be kind. It means be kind. He said, you could be kind and call it me. I was like, what is be he kind? You could be kind and call it music, but it's not. He said, it's noise. That's it. Okay. No melody equals noise. Rolling Stones said in Rolling Stone magazine. No, no, he didn't. He said it quoted by Roy Carr in Illustrated Record, page 37. Rock music, you can read the references later, okay? Go back through and listen to it. I'll put the notes in the description. You go back and look at the references if you question it, all right? Rock music emphasizes that hard, driving beat. What instrument do you hear more than any other in rock? What instrument is it that pounds out that heavy beat? The drum. The Bible lists many kinds of instruments. Psalm 150 says, we read that earlier. Praise him with the trumpet, the psaltery, and the harp. Okay, the cymbals. We already read that. With all the many references to musical instruments, there is one instrument that is never mentioned, the drum. Why is that? The drum is a very common, was a very common instrument in Egypt and the lands around Israel, and yet the drum is never mentioned in the King James Bible. Did the Lord just forget to include the drum, or is there another reason? Is it because drums are associated with voodoo? Shamanism, Paganism, and Magic ritual Rituals? Oh yes, they are. Okay, and now we're going to get into that. Now I want you to see the association between drums and voodoo, shamanism, witchcraft. All right, you ready for this? From the illustrated book of Signs and Symbols by Miranda Bruce Mitford, drums represents the beat of the heart and is played to summon up magic powers. Here's another one. The shaman was the original long hair, the first rock star draped in leather, dancing possessed to a rhythm banged out on a drum. That was from Appetite for Destruction, Annie Sugarman. Here's another one. In Siberia, in Northern Asia, drums are are used in shamanic rituals to heal people. It is believed that the shaman can communicate with the spirit world through drumming. From the book Musical Instruments by Louise Okay, Here's another one. Uh Satan's music exposed low heart. Pagan dances and rituals are always accompanied by the incessant beat of drums. Rhythm plays a major role in these demonic activities. Here's another one. Robert Palmer is a contributing editor to Rolling Stone and other rock magazines. Palmer has also taught courses in music at Yale and many other universities. Palmer was the chief advisor for the highly acclaimed history of rock and roll that aired in public television. Palmer, an advocate and lover of rock music, okay, this isn't a Christian guy, is among the leading authorities in rock music. Here's what Palmer says about rock and the drum, okay? Pay attention to this quote. He said this, Bada drums, this is the drums that are used in voodoo, the Bada drums sacred to the Yoruba people of Nigeria and Cuba. Their push and pull provided a template for the inner rhythms of rock and roll. Did you hear what he said? The voodoo drums provided the inner the template for the inner rhythms of rock and roll voodoo drums okay rock music uses voodoo beats as the template for their music okay let's go into it a little bit more robert palmer here's another quote from him remember an expert on rock and roll he was the chief advisor for a documentary on on public television history of rock and roll and he was Taught courses in music at Yale University, home of Skill and Bones, but he taught courses in music at Yale. Listen to what he said. The idea that certain rhythm patterns or sequences serve as conduits for spiritual energies, linking individual human consciousness with the gods, is basic to traditional African religions and to African derived religions throughout the Americas. And whether we're speaking historically or musicologically, the fundamental riffs, licks, bass figures, and drum rhythms that make rock and roll can ultimately be traced back to African music of a primarily spiritual or ritual sense. In a sense, rock and roll is a kind of voodoo. Did you hear that? Rock and roll is a kind of voodoo. can be traced back. They went from Africa to Haiti to New Orleans, all the voodoo. And we'll talk about that a little bit later here. Palmer describes how drums are used in voodoo possession. The same drum patterns are part of the basics of rock and roll and CCM. Bada drummers tap out their tokes or rhythm patterns like signals to the realm of the gods, inviting and enticing them to come on down and mount up or possess They're horses or devotees. The specific drum patterns or toques include some riffs and licks basic to the rock and roll vocabulary. Okay, that was another quote from Palmer. Here's an episode from the occult New Age magazine, New Age journal, describing the possessing power of drums. Notice, even the devotees of the occult stay away from those drums. Now listen to this one. This is a doozy of a quote, okay, from a New Ager talking about the power of drums in connection with with spirits. They said this, I remember a conversation I'd once had in Cuba with a reporter from the New York Times. Stay away from those drums, he had told me, referring to the ones said to call down the gods in Santeria's sacred ceremonies. If I ever really gave into those drums, my life would change in ways I'm not prepared to take on, he had added. Wow. Wow. I knew what he was talking about. It was all there in the drumming. Listen long enough, and some energy field, some kind of interconnectedness became palpable. I was hungry for those drums, yet I still ran from them. This is from a shaman story by Elizabeth Hanley, a voodoo priest, leads the author on a journey of understanding, New Age Journal, 1997, okay? So this New Ager says... They had a New York Times reporter say, stay away from those drums. They said their life would change and something would take over. Something would energy field will become palpable. Okay. Yet they ran away from them. This is the power of drums. All right. Now let's look at the spiritual nature of it. Now let's look at little Richard. What does he say? Remember little Richard, the rock and roll guy. What did he say? The self-professed rock architect of rock and roll readily admits Satan's control and influence in his life in rock music. This is a quote from Little Richard. He says this, my true belief about rock and roll is this. I believe this kind of music is demonic. A lot of the beats in music today are taken from voodoo, from the voodoo drums. Okay. This is from the book, The Life and Times of Little Richard, page 197 by Charles White. This guy said it. This guy is a famous rock and roll musician, not a Christian. In fact, Little Richard was a member of the Church of Satan. Okay? so see if we can get this real quick. Little Richard. Just type it in. Little Richard. And uh, church. Oh, man, I spelled that wrong church of satan ready boom get some pics here there's a picture of him there was a picture of him what did he say here this quote commanded by another power, the power of darkness that a lot of people don't believe exists—the power of the devil, Satan. That's what he said uh, happened to him. But, uh, anyways, he, uh, yeah, he he had that quote there. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Anyways, I can't find it right now. But there was a picture of him with Anton Levay, the founder of Church of Satan. Sorry, I had to go on that little tangent there. But, anyways. Point is, he was a famous rock and roll musician, and um, he. this is what he said. Now, look at what he said. First of all, he said the music's demonic, okay, totally wicked, evil, and then he said the beats of music today are taken from voodoo from the voodoo drums, okay? So over and over and over again, we have secular, famous musicians and experts on music saying that the drums... In rock music, come from the voodoo drums. Comes from the voodoo drums. Now, what is voodoo, by the way? It is a very dark and wicked form of witchcraft, of magic, okay? It's very evil. involves, in they sacrifice chickens and use blood and all kinds of disgusting stuff uh, to do black magic rituals. It's very, very evil stuff, okay? And they use drums in their rituals, okay? Now, Danny... Sugerman, an authority on rock music, and author of several books on rock, writes in Appetite for Destruction. He said this earlier. The shaman was the original long hair, dancing possessed to a rhythm banged on a drum. Then he says this. To these people, communication with the gods was synonymous with drums. The body can become the conduit for a deity. A deity not necessarily the same sex as the worshiper. Okay. And drums are the catalyst for the whole process. The drums are the catalyst for the whole process. The trance of the rhythm then begets the hysteria, which begets what Westerners simply call possession. It opens. He's saying the drums open people up to be possessed. Okay? And that's what you want to put in your Christian music? Are you insane? Well, the devil certainly knows what he's doing. David Tame writes in, in his book, The Secret Power of Music, Today's drummer differs, differs but little from the shaman in his incessant beating out of a rhythm, and likewise often enters into a form of trance while performing. The drum has always been associated with the paganism and the devil. In fact, a little more than a hundred years ago, drums were forbidden except for the military in America. Look at this from the book Musical Instruments. Uh, Louise Tithicott. The arrival of African slaves has had one of the strongest influences on North American music. In the 17th and 18th centuries, millions of African people were taken as slaves to the United States to work on plantations in the South. They brought many of their own traditions with them, but were forbidden to play their drums. Do you know why New Orleans is the voodoo capital of the United States and also the birthplace of jazz? because drumming was forbidden in the U.S., except in New Orleans. Let's look at the book by Palmer, uh, Rock and Roll, An Unruly History. This was especially true in New Orleans, African-based drumming. Singing and dancing, discouraged and repeatedly banned elsewhere in North America, had flourished there since the early 18th century. This unique heritage has informed and enlivened New Orleans music ever since, as well as distinguishing it from the rest of American musical culture, making the city an ideal incubator for non-mainstream music as rhythmically oriented as rock and roll." Okay. So, it was only allowed in New Orleans, but banned in the rest of the country. Why? Because they knew it was wicked. And the Christians back then had more sense than the Christians of today. When the first blacks from Africa were converted to Christianity, they knew the power and evil influence of drums. And they can, and the converted blacks strictly forbid the use of drums. They referred to the drums as the devil's drum. This is a quote from the book Hole in Our Soul, The Loss of Beauty and Meaning in American Popular Music, Martha Bales. Historically, blacks had drawn the line between particular instruments and practices. They permitted tambourines, for instance, but not drums from the same book, okay? One simple guideline for Christian music is no drums. Christian music should feed the spirit, not the flesh. Christian music should emphasize the melody, not the beat, okay? Okay. So there's clear connection between rock music and summoning spirits, connection with opening yourself up from devil possession, uh, connection to voodoo, and uh, all that stuff. It is bad news, okay? Rock, uh, Rock appeals to, I'm sorry, the drums and the beat appeals to the flesh. We should not be feeding the flesh in Christian music, okay? That's why we can't mix rock music, rap, pop, anything with that heavy beat with worshiping God, music for worshiping God. We can't mix it together. It does not work. Okay. And it has a very powerful effect on people. Okay. And now we're going to look at some scientific evidence of the effect of music on the body and brain taken from music in the brain by Lawrence O'Donnell. Check this out. This isn't very long, very short. Many revealing scientific experiments, studies, and research projects have been performed to try and discover the extent of the power of music. Up until 1970, most of the research done on music had to do with studying the effects of the beat of the music. It was found that slow music could slow the heartbeat and breathing rate as well as bring down blood pressure. Faster music was found to speed up these same body measurements. The key component, component of music that makes it beneficial is order. So they're trying to find out music that was beneficial through these studies. The order of the music from the Baroque and Classical periods causes the brain to respond in special ways. This order includes repetition and changes, certain patterns of rhythm, and pitch and mood contrast. One key ingredient to the order of music from the Baroque and Classical periods is math. This is realized by the body of the human, and the human mind performs better when listening to this ordered music. One shining example of the power of Vortican music is King George I of England. King George had problems with memory loss and stress management. He read from the Bible the story of King Saul and recognized that Saul had experienced the same type of problems that he was experiencing. George recognized that Saul overcame his problems by using special music. With this story in mind, King George asked King Frederick Handel to write some special music for him that would help him in the same way that helped, the music helped Saul. Handel wrote his water music for that purpose. Okay. Um, another key to the order in music is the music being the same and different. The brain works by looking at different pieces of information and deciding if they're different or the same. This is done in music of the Baroque and Classical periods by playing a theme and then repeating or changing the theme. The repetition is only done once. More than one repetition causes the music to become displeasing and also causes a person to enter a state of subconscious thinking or a state of anger. Uh, the human mind shuts down after three or four repetitions of a rhythm or a melody or a harmonic progression. Furthermore, excessive repetition causes people to release control of their thoughts. Rhythmic repetition is used by people who are trying to push certain ethics in their music. That's a pretty interesting quote there. Uh, But let's look at this last quote here. An Australian physician and psychiatrist, Dr. John Diamond, found a direct link between muscle strength and weakness in music. He discovered that all of the muscles in the entire body go weak when subjected to the stopped anapestic beat of music from hard rock musicians, including Led Zeppelin, Alice Cooper, Queen, The Doors, Janis Joplin, Bachman, Turner Overdrive, and the band. Dr. Diamond found another effect of the anapestic beat. He called it a switching of the brain. Dr. Diamond said the switching occurs when the actual symmetry between both of the cerebral hemispheres is destroyed causing alarm in the body along with lessened work performance learning and behavior problems in children and a general malaise in adults in addition to harmful irregular beats in rock music shrill frequencies prove to also be harmful to the body bob larson who i do not endorse that guy is a complete fake and a joke bob larson a christian minister and former rock musician remembers that in the 70s Teens would bring raw eggs to a rock concert, put them on the front of the stage and the eggs would be hard boiled by the music before the end of the concert and could be eaten. And uh, Dr. Earl W. Flossdorf and Dr. Leslie chambers showed that proteins in a liquid medium were coagulated when subjected to piercing high pitch sound. Okay. So that's the end of that real quick thing. Anyways, the point is, is that music can affect the body. Now, as far as like people, because it talked about muscular weakness, it all depends. Okay. Because I know certain people listen to rock music and, and, Uh, what's it called, rap and dubstep and even metal music when they're working out and it gets them pumped up and stuff like that. But um, it can release adrenaline and these types of things and and, and which can help people work out and these types of things like that. That doesn't mean it's beneficial to the body and it actually can be weakening the body. And what I mean by that is your body may be able to be more strong consistently and not have drop-offs in strength And um, the have problems with endurance that you otherwise wouldn't have without that type of negative music. So that's another type of subject, but either way, the point is, is that music in and of itself affects the body. Okay. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that right now. We're going to talk about a music, for example, called dubstep because dubstep has been popular for a few years now. I don't know, maybe a decade or so, maybe a little longer. And um, dubstep has has risen in popularity. And it's a very harsh music. Um, it, it's, um, it really messes with your mind and affects your body. But we have an article here called Five Ways Dubstep is Messing with Your Brain, okay? And uh, the next one, Scientific Proof That Dubstep Makes You Want to Kill People. So make sure you listen to that one too. But Five Ways Dubstep is Messing with Your Brain. It's just This is just an instance, okay? Why am I showing you this? Because I am showing you that music without lyrics because they christians always say professing christians it the only thing that matters about music has nothing to do with the style or the beat or any of that none of that matters it's all a neutral medium the only thing that matters is the lyrics i'm sorry but you are wrong you are so wrong you are dead wrong okay now This is a way at how music, just the music, no lyrics affects your brain. So let's look at this article. We're going to pull this up. Five ways dubstep is messing with your brain, okay? Number one, they try to say dubstep is good for your health, but it's not really. And I'll show you how it's not good for your health. They say this, dubstep music increases levels of serotonin a neurotransmitter that is located in the body's central nervous system, which has positive influences on the brain cells controlling mood, memory, appetite, learning, and sleep function. Dubstep's low-frequency sound waves enter your ear and convert into vibrations that send electrical signals that travel through the vestibulocochlear nerve and into your brain. Dubstep's excitement factor and build-up to the drop effect the 50 million brain cells connected to your body's level of serotonin. Health problems like anxiety or depression are a result of low levels of serotonin. Spazzing out to a Skrillex track sends a steep rise in these levels, which serves as a remedy for mood and sleep disorders. Now, does this cause, dubstep, cause a release in serotonin? Yes, very clearly it does. But does that mean it has... It's good for your health. No, that is completely stupid and ridiculous, okay? It makes you addicted to it just like a drug, okay? Do you know the drug ecstasy, okay? The drug ecstasy, when you take that, releases serotonin, the same neurotransmitter in your brain, the same exact drug, uh, uh, just neurotransmitter, serotonin is released in your brain when you take ecstasy. You know what happens? Oh, I feel great. I, my mood is elevated. I no longer have depression, but you know what happens when you come down from the high, you have a crash, you become depressed and you want to take it again. And then there's the endless cycle comes in with addiction. As long as other drugs have the same thing, they release dopamine and serotonin and other neurotransmitters. That's how you get into drug addiction. Well, guess what? The same cycle of addiction happens with this type of music. Release of the neurotransmitter, then a drop in the high, then you have to go back to it. And that brings me to the next point, which is dubstep gets you high. They submit it in the next point. Listening to dubstep is pretty much almost the same thing as taking drugs. No, seriously. Dubstep activates pleasure. And reward-related regions of the brain called the dopamine system. dopamine is a hormone and neurotransmitter that sends signals to our brain from our brain to other parts of the body. Dopamine affects our pleasure and reward motivated behavior, but extreme dopamine activity can lead, can lead to addiction. Yikes. Dopamine is mostly studied for the way its signals react to drugs like cocaine and amphetamine. but dopamine is important. For more than just drugs. It's also important for natural rewards like food, sports, and even that feeling you get. Okay, he's talking about lust. Okay, dopamine is he says when you see a pretty girl walking down the street, it's talking about lust. It's a release of dopamine. Scientists have also found that the chills people get when listening to dubstep music were correlated with dopamine signals in this area of the body. Okay. And then they say something stupid. You're, the, the next time your hair on your neck stands up from a sick bass drop, just know it's the, this running through your veins, whatever. Who cares? It's something stupid. The point is, is that there's dopamine release. It's just like getting high. It's a release of these neurotransmitters, okay? The reward-related regions of the brain. Okay. So that leads to addiction to not only to dubstep, but it happens in other types of music. It isn't just dubstep. It happens in hip hop, happens in rock music, happens in metal music, other types of music and the CCM music. Okay. Let's look at another point. Dubstep brings out your animal instincts. Okay. We know we don't come from animals. I don't believe in evolution, not at all, but let's look at this point. This just gives the same Get, just gives the terms for party animal and, be, and sorry, this is stupid what they say. But listen, researchers working at UCLA think they've determined why humans respond so strongly to dubstep as a stimulus. It's because dissonance. Okay, what's dissonance? It's distortion, weird, high-pitched, and um, unnatural sounds and screeches. It's it's things that are not harmonious. That's what dis instead of harmony is dissonant the opposite of harmonious and opposite of um, melody. It's because dissonance in dubstep music mimics, mimics distress cries in wild animals, which strikes a chord with our deep-seated animal instincts. We don't have animal instincts. What we do have is a fleshly, sinful nature. Dissonance in music are disruptive tones or what we hear is sharp, piercing noises. Or you could also think about the fight-or-flight the fight response, Okay. These sounds that add chaos to a dubstep production are similar to the sounds made by animals when they're crying or in danger. A team of scientists working with composers have found that the oral characteristics of the cries of distressed animals captures human attention and have an effect on our emotions when hearing certain sounds. Okay, so that's another point, a way that affects your mind. Here's another one. Dubstep will make you flunk exams. Teachers and parents are going to love this one. University of Wisconsin physiologists conducted a study measuring the effects of classical music versus dubstep music on students while taking a reading comprehension test. The results found that reading comprehension performance was positively affected by classical music and negatively affected by dubstep music. The tests used to measure cognitive ability were practice SAT reading comprehension tests. Analysis of the data collected revealed that there is a significant effect on music genre on reading comprehension test scores. So, if you're the type that likes to blast your music while studying, make sure it's some, don't say bass heavy, you may break some Bach. They just say some classical music, okay? So, it's affecting your mind to make people do poorly on reading comprehension, okay? And it says it turns you into consumer zombies. We already learned that dubstep induces heightened sensations. And drug-like experiences. What we didn't discuss is how hypnotic it can be, how it puts us in a trance-like state. Again, well, that like yeah, that you don't want to be in a trance-like state. Dubstep is a communication tool that allows each person in a crowd of one hundred thousand to feel connected and understand in a language they cannot articulate. This makes an imprint on your brain and becomes part of your identity. Television and advertisers realize this and are using dubstep in their commercials as a way to use the dubstep sound to persuade you to purchase their products. As in all television ads, the product is presented as something you have to have, but with the added element of your favorite dubstep track. The products in these ads are projecting the idea that they're also part of your personal identity. The advertisers hope that consumers will identify with their product like some identify with dubstep cultures, and hope their product gives you an experience That is just as powerful as the music. Now, so that's a classic advertising technique by corporations. And they learned this from Edward Bernays, the master of propaganda, is that instead of selling their product as, hey, this product is good. It's of high quality. You should buy it. They sell their product with selling you a lifestyle. Okay. That's why they always show car commercials and pants and everything else it has nothing to do with cars. It has to do with the lifestyle. You see someone having fun and doing this and doing that. And they're selling you, wow, if you get this product, you're associating it with something fun, something cool and something that you makes you feel good about yourself and a certain lifestyle. That's why they put the dubstep music in the commercials because you're associating that product with that culture, with that lifestyle, with that music. Okay. They're manipulating you. Uh, so they'll they'll hope you experience that. Without the accompaniment of Dubstep, these products would not stand out to you. But with the guidance of Dubstep, they gain more appeal and importance. So the next time you buy laundry detergent, make sure it's because you haven't washed your jeans. Uh, okay, some, they said something stupid. Who cares? Why should you buy laundry detergent? I know why, because it doesn't have a bunch of harmful chemicals that will... Uh, you're going to put on your body when you sweat. That's my advice. All right. Now, uh, we got another one here. It's about um, why, what's it called? Why dubstep makes you want to kill people. That's, what, that's literally the title of the article. I don't want to scroll up because of the, there's some bad words there. But uh, in the article, they say, ask you a few I'm just going to go through this real quick. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Okay. Cause we're trying to wrap it up here, but he said, uh, why did the squeal on Jimi Hendrix's guitar cause girls to practically claw their way on stage? Why does the psycho like intro to Tyler, the creators, Yonkers inspire moshing. That's a rapper, by the way, why do furry footed dub heads turn into a writhing mass during Skrillex's drop? Skrillex is probably the most well-known dubstep artist. Uh researchers working at UCLA think they've determined why humans respond so strongly to the stimulus. It's because dissonance in music mimics distress cries in wild animals, which summon strong reactions. In other words, these artists literally bring out the animal in us. Okay, so they go into the research about that. Uh I can give a uh this is from LA Weekly. I can give the a link to the uh, article later in uh in the description. But so I just wanted to say that that's another part of this um It's pretty interesting. Oh, this, listen to this. 2 years ago, Bloomstein Bloomstein was a uh, uh he's a uh, um a movie and film composer and working at the university. And he said this, 2 years ago Bloomstein published another study on how movie soundtracks emotionally manipulate viewers. Focusing on the adventure, drama, horror, and war genres, his team isolated certain tactics that attempt to elicit distinct emotions. Horror film scores included warped sounds and screams. On occasion, even animal shrieks were added to the blend. So these, uh, pro- movie producers are adding animal shrieks to affect you on an emotional level and manipulate you. As Bloomstein notes, music that shares oral characteristics with the vocalizations of distressed animals captures human attention. Attention is uniquely arousing. Okay. So, and they just, did some experimenting with that and uh some pretty crazy stuff right so i'm going to show you a quick sample of um dubstep just you know, i'm not going to play it long just going to play a quick tip and um quick clip i'm sorry just so you can hear this real quick it's some really crazy stuff. And it just gives you an idea of this kind of like psychological warfare assault that is being put, especially into the young people of today, what they're doing to their minds. Okay. Uh, I'm going to show you that real quick and remember what it said. It provokes this reaction in people like an animal distress cry. And it says, making you want to kill people. It's like this very, uh, violent, violent, um, reaction that it has in people. Makes them want to be violent and, and have these different reactions. It's, uh, and releasing dopamine and, and, uh, serotonin. It's, it's just crazy stuff. Okay. So since I'm, I have advanced technolo- technological setup here, I'm going to put my headphones on the microphone so you can hear it. <laughs> but like I said, just a quick clip and then I'll, I'll shut it off and, uh, we'll move on here so we can wrap up this teaching. All right. Here we go. all right, that's enough of that. So that's that, uh, that's a clip of dubstep and, um, some pretty crazy stuff. Uh, you know, some of you that may be older are like, what was that? That was terrible, awful noise. Why would anyone want to listen to that? I, I understand that's, that's the normal reaction that you should have, but younger people don't have that, um, discernment and um they get sucked in easily it's like i said it's like a drug they hear it. it's whatever's popular they're going to be into so they hear it, their friends introduce them to it and um they listen to it they get addicted to that release of serotonin in the brain and they keep get hooked on it That's how they get hooked on all these other types of music okay uh, but one other thing i wanted to show you real quick is it has this violent reaction it's not just This type of music, okay? There's tons of other different types of music that gives the same reaction. And what's interesting about this, it says why dubstep makes you want to kill people. Uh, This music, this has been around for a while before that in metal music and thrash and death metal and these types of things like that, that had the same effect on people. Had the same effect on me. I was been listening to metal since I was 11 years old, maybe before that. And uh, it had the same effect on me. That's why people have mosh pits and they go in there and they swing their arms and their fists around and, uh, and, and they want to punch people and stuff. they have even said people like that. This makes me want to punch someone in the face. Like that's, it makes your body have this, their mind have this violent reaction and appeals to the flesh. Okay. That's what it does. Uh, I'm just going to show you another quick quick clip of uh, a metal song, uh, a band that I used to listen to, and that's going to show you the same exact thing and provokes this reaction. And this is what it's doing to people's minds. Okay, just real quick. It's not going to be not going to be long. Okay, this band's called Abominable Putridity. Great, uh, great name, isn't it? All right, here we go, real quick. All right, that's enough of that. I'm sure you all really enjoyed that. <laughs> uh so Sorry about that, but just wanted to give you a quick idea of the stuff that's assaulting people's minds and uh man, I just subjected myself to that every day for years, all the way up until I was 23, you know, and um man, you just live in that state. It does cause aggression, it causes it manipulates your emotions so bad and feeds depression and anger and And all these different emotions just totally manipulates you and uh, you get addicted to it. So you need to listen to it every day. Uh, It's just like a drug. It is absolutely like a drug. So, you know, and all that type of music, you can't just slap Christian lyrics on it and expect it to be good now. It's ridiculous. Can't use this type of music to worship God with any type of music is perfectly fine. Whoever says that has no idea what they're talking about. Okay. All right. Now, to finish up this thing here, we're going to refute. Very quickly, the argument about what they say about make a loud noise in the Bible, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be done. We'll wrap it up. So in the Bible, we read in Psalm 98, 4, make a loud noise. And modern people have taken noise to mean huge fracas with anything you got. It just means like making a lot of noise. The context, context of this verse means explode with singing of joy and praise, praises for the Lord. There is no hinting of to instruments, but to human voice. The word noise is taken by modernists to mean something else than intended. It definitely means to sing with all the voice one's got, but not rock out as loud as you can, but surely with intelligence and not with mesmerizing beats of powerful drums. Okay, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Okay. Play skillfully, not make a bunch of unintelligible noise. Okay. Psalm 33, one through three, play skillfully with the loud noise. This is taken by modernists to mean bang the drums loudly. So no one understands anything. The fleshly carnal beat of rock music is much different than what the Bible is referring to here. Will the worship in heaven be loud? I have tried to make a count of how many voices will or are singing praises Okay, how many voices will be singing praises to our God in heaven? And this is what I got. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Revelation 5.11. Which number at least this many angel voices? 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million, plus the thousands of thousands. Besides the multitude of saved humans that no man can number. After this beheld and lo, a great man which no man could number. Okay, stood before the throne. I reckon that this enormous number of voices would make a huge sound. It does appear that worship in heaven is mostly done with the voice, for there are no specific reference musical instruments except for harps. Okay, so make a loud noise doesn't mean rock and roll music. That's ridiculous, especially in light of all the evidence that we've already provided. Okay, so in conclusion, well, for, what's Christian music? Firstly, words must be true to the Bible. Secondly, words must not sound like a remind people of the world. Thirdly, the music must honor and glorify our Lord Jesus Christ and who is the name above every name. Fourthly, the musicians must be dedicated to the Lord that they will do everything possible, including dress and music style, not to attract attention to themselves or the world, but to magnify our Lord Jesus. Amen. In conclusion, singing is part of the worship requested and due to almighty God, but there is God all the almighty, but there is not all there is to worship. The acts of worship that are specific, that are specified by God are reading and meditating on and preaching the word of God, praying, singing, giving, and the Lord's Supper. Worship must pr- promote awe and reverence, spirituality and thoughtfulness. Joy must flow from the heart and not be worked up by the excessive use of external helps. And then teaching and admonishing one another, psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. God has given the human voice as the primary source of expressing, singing, worship. However, he will accept some musical instruments to aid the voice in its expression. There is no evidence that there are many musical instruments in heaven, yet there is music. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000, which were redeemed from the earth. Revelation 14, 2 and 3. By the way, I don't think just because a song is new, it's bad. You could write a song, a new hymn or song or spiritual psalm or spiritual song tomorrow, and it could be fine as long as it follows the guidelines. It's not with the drums and the beat and fleshly. It's not of the world. It has, uh, it has lyrics and music glorifying God. Then it's fine. You know, that doesn't mean because it's contemporary, because it's new, that it's bad. It just has to be fit the guidelines that the Bible offers. Scripture lists those instruments that may be used. Some instruments are never mentioned, such as the drum. And it is best not to use them in worship. The general rule is that all instruments are only an aid to the voice, not a supplanter or an overwhelmer thereof. The voice must be clearly heard over the instruments in its purity. Musical instruments that are confusing and distorting must not be used. Drums, although in wide use and well-known in all history, were never used to worship God because drums have always been associated with voodoo, shamanism, paganism, and magic rituals. The Church of Christ has no part with that. Singing worship can be loud, and must we must sing with all our hearts to the Lord, giving all that we got. But the voice is supreme in worship, and the instruments are just an aid, and we are singing to the Lord, not to ourselves except when we're by ourselves, singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Worship is not for human exhibitionism. God resists the proud. It is not to show off or to admire human artistic ability. Musical aids must never be allowed to turn worship into entertainment. Very important because that's what it's turned to in most modern day churches. They must never interfere with the spiritual character of worship. The standard of God remains that musical instruments should be modest in character, limited in number, and that they should never be allowed to overwhelm the intelligent and sincere offering of worship voiced from the minds and hearts of the believers. And here, finally, here's the end. The worship of the church of Christ is plainly given in the New Testament. Jesus said, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And here's the last verse passage here. Revelation 15, two through four. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire and then that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of god and they sing the song of moses the servant of god and the song of the lamb saying great and marvelous are thy works lord god almighty just and true are thy ways thou king of saints who shall not fear thee O Lord and glorify thy name for thou only art holy for all nations shall come and worship before thee for thy judgments are made manifest. Amen. All right. So I hope you learned quite a bit today and chew on that. Maybe go back and listen to the study again and uh, study it out. Go look up the references in the Bible references, uh, from some of the quotes I had given you. And, uh, And then there you go. So don't use drums and the beats. Beats are what make it fleshly and appeals to the flesh. And uh, that about covers that subject. So hope that's been informative to you. Hope it's been edifying to you to learn what the Bible has to say about music, specifically about drums and beats and uh, how it affects the mind and the body. And uh, like I said, we'll have more uh, shows in the future about music, like Is Music Neutral? Focus on that. Just that question alone, but also Bible guidelines for Christian music, maybe some other ones too. some of the common arguments used to justify music. I have a bunch of bunch of shows for the future about music, um, along with some other little random ones here and there. Um, like I said, I have some in the work of, in the works that um, talk about using music as psychological warfare against um, American citizens so that 's pretty interesting. Uh, all right. So I think that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Um, and, uh, please like share and subscribe. Please watch some of the other ones. If you haven't seen it and check out the new ones, share this, uh, video with your friends, family, if someone that, you know, that is on the fence about this issue, or they are not aware of this issue, please give this video to them. And, um, so they will have, you'll have a good resource to show someone the truth. All right, thank you for watching. God bless you and have a good night.